It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Combine is officially behind us. Let's talk with PFF's Mike Renner about some Bengals targets in this year's draft. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lesko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by PFF's Mike Renner, the head draft man at PFF with the combine behind us to look ahead at some Bengals draft targets and some other combine takeaways. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Lockdown Bengals, available free anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube five days a week. And uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the follow button anywhere you get your podcasts and join that first listen club. And guys, the, the combine fully behind us. Mike, big time of year for you. Everybody wants to talk to you at this point. You've got your draft guide out over at PFF. You've got your big board up. You've got your PFF mock draft simulator. The Bengals fans are spamming ad nauseum as they do. And uh, let's start with the combine. Not going to ask you, hopefully, too many questions that you've been asked before, but I'm sure you've answered everything. Let's start with the guys that maybe the the casual fan or or the – fan that isn't as aware as you are of these players who should we not be changing evaluations on based on performances at the combine let's start there Ooh, that's a great question uh that one's tough right so I, in my opinion or just like how i use the combine it should be your own opinion prior like so like if you thought jalen hyatt was a 4-2 guy like an elite like run away from guy like you should change your opinion on like mm-hmm. that, if you if he then runs a four four, to, to me, you should probably change your opinion on anyone if they tested or looked different on the field there than what you thought in your mind. So that, I, I think that's a difficult question to answer because it's such a personal sort of preference. Um, one guy that I will say like don't knock too much, or two guys I'll say don't knock too much, um, and I think that's usually the way. Like usually it's the guys I put more stock in those who like don't test well and move those guys down the board rather than the guys who test elite jumping them up the board. Because if they test elite, well, chances are you saw that on tape. Like they, they were elite athletes on tape. That's why you're high in them. But it's the guys that maybe have first round grades on that they show up to the combine and then don't take those boxes. The two guys I'd put in that bucket of don't overreact to this. It's just who they are is Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end. Like four seven was a good time based off of what he what he was on tape. Like he was not fast on tape. He was Notre Dame's number one wide receiver without the speed element to his game, which would just show you how dynamic he is and how like good he is at all the other stuff, the tight end position. So don't overreact to him not being a great athlete. He was never a great athlete. Uh, and then the other one is Brian Branch from Alabama, uh, the safety slash slot. Uh, I call him a slot because I think slots you know slots one where he played and two slots like a role in the NFL nowadays. So that you're not coming off the field on. So in that role, 
what he's asked to do, what that role is, four, five, eight's fine. You know, Kyle Hamilton went four, five, nine, I believe, last year and was one of the best slot corners in the NFL as a rookie. So I, I do think that people are saying, oh, Brian Branch, is he falling now? Mm, no, like those two guys, for what they do, they are perfectly more than athletic enough to do it still at the NFL level. I'm sure we're going to talk about Michael Mayer, and I almost went there, but mm. let's flip that question. What what guys maybe didn't show it on tape, but you, you watched them work out, you saw the times, and you were like, oh, that was a surprise. I have to go back and, and watch them and see maybe if I miscalculated a little bit. That's a great question. Um, the other side of the coin, the one guy who really stood out, was, I'll go to the receiver class, that I was just like, darn, I did not quite see that level of explosive. It's Marvin Mims Jr., the Oklahoma wide receiver. Uh, young guy coming out. I believe still only 20 years old. Um, but like to run faster than Jalen Hyatt was just not something I saw at Oklahoma. I did not see that caliber of deep speed. 4-3-8, he went. Great jumps, great cone, like an all-around high-end athlete. And obviously a guy who's been productive ever since his freshman year at Oklahoma. But I just, you know, I didn't see him in that Hollywood Brown category of deep route runner, deep speed, that electricity that it takes to still do that at the NFL level. But testing wise, that, that's, that's the realm he's in, you know, like he is right there neck and neck with a Hollywood Brown. So that's one guy I have to go back to the tape and just see, you know, is this guy possibly an ascending athlete, you know, from ages 19 to 20 to 21, you do a lot of physical development. So even via, you know, him now compared to maybe him six months ago, he could be a different specimen entirely. So that's one guy where, that, that one's going to make me go back and check the tape because he was not a top 100 player on my board previously. Um, after this, may very well end up there when it's all said done. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make about the age development, especially for wide receiver. And the Bengals have seen that with T. Higgins, I think, a little bit, where he didn't test particularly well as a young player coming off an injury, coming out of Clemson. And he doesn't look deficient athletically on the football field in the NFL. You posted your biggest combine winners by position on Twitter on Monday morning. Why do you love the big 10 so much? There's so many, it's Iowa, just Iowa. Northwestern, was Illinois. Three guys from Iowa. Yeah. What, what's in the water in Iowa? Um, well, it's bad scheme is in the water in Iowa. And apparently some, whatever they're feeding to the Georgia boys too, is in the water in Iowa. Cause they had, you know, Jack Campbell, looked yeah. like an elite like he, he's one of the guys that would have been a great answer to the last question you just asked about who really showed out that you didn't expect to i, I mean besides the four six five forty which you know still puts you in the realm of what can be productive at linebacker in the nfl he was an elite athlete i mean the jumps were insane his three cone was insane for a guy that size and that's the other thing he has that not a lot of linebackers have but still gets coveted and still matters in the nfl it's like 249 pounds that's where you know logan wilson that's like part of the beauty of his game is that he goes toe-to-toe with offensive linemen. He can, you know, he won't get rocked back on contact against a running back. And I think you could see a very similar path to, you know, being an effective NFL player uh, from Jack Campbell and his team. So, yeah, Iowa, him, Laporta, and uh, Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end, all showed up. And oof, the fact that they couldn't score points and couldn't stop anyone with those guys in the field is kind of, uh, kind of a tragedy. Can I ask a follow-up question? Why does nobody do agility drills at the combine anymore? Is there an actual answer to this? That they're like waiting for their pro day? Yes. It's because it's at night. 
now. Something about that, the agents recommend they don't do as many drills because of the the basically the you're up from six a.m. Your times yeah. get worse. Your, your legs get more tired. So they recommend only doing like a couple of the things at the combine, and that ends up usually just being jumps in a for your jumps in a in a forty. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. I would be exhausted if I had to do that stuff at, yes. at night, even at 21 or whatever the the ages of these prospects are. You mentioned Laporta, and I, I think that's a guy that a lot of Bengals fans uh, have on their radar even before the, the combine, but certainly now. Tight end-wise, is this as deep, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into to more specific players, but is this as deep as you've seen it as since you've been evaluating? Because it seems like it's a, a deep class, but – a lot of these guys might also be gone by round three. So, yeah, very deep. I, I think it's neck and neck with, I believe it was 17. Was that the OJ Howard year that also had, you know, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, 17. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, all the way back to John New Smith, to George Kittle, like it had guys with top end first round talent, this class, no different. But then guys who are going to go in like a third and fourth who are still like high end athletes. Uh, which was how I saw that class. So, so right, right up there with that one. It, it's a fantastic class, and Laporta in particular is one of the best tight ends I've scouted. You know, since I started doing this nine years ago, with the ball in his hands. I mean, he looks like a running back the way he moves so easily, and kind of has you know a smaller build, a more compact running back esque build than most tight ends. Like he's not long and rangy. He is a six three. 245 pound kind of bowling ball with the ball in his hand. And obviously testing like that kind of athlete that he did really makes you feel good about, I think he broke 20 tackles last year on 58 catches. Feel good about those still happening once he gets to the NFL. Let's stay on the topic of tight ends and dive into this class in a little bit more detail here. We'll do that coming up next. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and that means you need to get to FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So maybe you think the Lakers are going to continue their role after beating the Warriors with Steph Curry. Despite not having LeBron, well, you can wager on them. You can go player-specific. You can go uh, with the same-game parlay option where you can parlay different numbers there are so many things you can do from prop bets to end of season stuff and yeah you can wager on the draft as well at FanDuel so don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Tight ends. Let's stay on the tight end topic because, you know, I talked to your coworker Mike a few weeks ago, uh, Sam Monson. We talked about running back value. We talked about Bijan Robinson, who we don't necessarily need to talk about today, but Let's talk a little bit about positional value before we talk about the class itself. This is a position where we've noted over the years it can take time for tight ends to find their footing in the NFL. 
you can name infinite it feels like cases where you know you have breakouts in year three year four but you don't necessarily see the productivity you would like to see out of a tight end out of a first round pick in tight ends so if you're the bengals looking at this class and they're clear first round tight end prospects michael mayer one that we can talk about in detail darnell washington dalton kincaid and then depending on who you ask luke musgrave and maybe you would say sam laporta i don't know i'll let you answer that question how do you feel about pulling the trigger on a tight end in the first round, especially if you are the Cincinnati Bengals and, and you're kind of where you are in the championship cycle? Yeah, the, the worry is at tight end position is that there's so few difference makers. There's so few guys that actually move the needle in an offense. I think we really saw that with the Lions and TJ Hawkinson. It's like he they traded him away midseason and no one even noticed you know, with that Lions offense. Because it's a position that more often than not is the targets that they're getting are scheme targets or a function kind of of the offensive play call. They are not asked to go win one-on-one, you know. And the guys that can, the George Kittles, Travis Kelsey's, Darren Wallers, they're very few. But then they also are difference makers. They also are such big value adds to an offense. because they're, And that's why you saw a guy like Hal Pitts get drafted really highly because of that ability is unique. And there's so few guys at that size that can do that. Um, and so a lot of tight ends will go and get drafted highly, but not be able to separate away from a safety to save their life because, you know, they're maybe they're like an OJ Howard. They run a four or five. Everyone looks great. Oh, looks You know, catches the ball really well. Can't separate to save their lives. But that's why in this class, I, there are two guys that I will actually go to bat for in the first round and Dalton Kincaid, the, Utah tight end and Michael Mayer and Notre Dame tight end, because you watch those guys run rounds, you know, you watch their highlight reels compared to say Darnell Washington's highlight reel. And it is them beating a linebacker, beating a safety, going one-on-one, actually having to get open on their own and then commanding a target because of that. It's not a flat route, a crosser, a seam that just exploits a hole, gets down the football field. You know, a lot of guys can do that. So that's why I think those two are one and two um, pretty comfortably in, in my eyes in this tight end class. Um, and why, if you don't have that, I would not go to bat for you as a first round pick, but those two guys, I think got it. If they're on the clock and they're available and the Bengals are on the clock at 28, could you see them making an impact right away? Because the other part of the positional value is the fact that sometimes it takes tight ends a year or two. Michael Mayer obviously had a ton of production. Kincaid's older. Do you, do you think those guys come in right away and are, are kind of plug and play? I think so. Truthfully. Um, one, I mean, Kincaid's up there in age. Kincaid's like yeah. sixth year. He's your age. Like, exactly. Like he's been, just the dude's been playing a lot of football. So, and, and you just watch his tape and he's refined. And with Mayer, obviously it's a true junior coming out, but even dating back to high school, how he was discussed, um, his freshman year coming in Notre Dame immediately makes an impact. I think he's just a different cat entirely that he kind of has it that he's got to come to the NFL and make an impact. Now, is, is it going to look like, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey's impact? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's ever going to look like that, but I do think he can come to the NFL and like seamlessly fit into an offense like the Bengals. Yeah, there's a philosophy with drafting tight ends that, you know, I've talked about with with Joe Goodberry and with James over the years, which is like third round to fifth round, find the most athletic tight end still available, 
and just hope he turns into Travis Kelsey. And maybe once out of every 10 years, 15, 20 years, you know, you, you'll hit that. And, and you see teams take that approach to some degree and you see it pay off to some degree as well. And then on the other hand, you have these refined hyper-athletic first round type prospects. I think TJ Hawkinson, you know, Minnesota would probably argue made a big impact for them after they acquired him. But you, you mentioned the other side of the coin where Detroit doesn't miss a beat. And, and that's what's challenging about the position to me in terms of using a first round pick. But of course, it's going to be case by case, right? And so when you look at this class, you talk about Sam Laporta as it sounds like a second round if you're the Bengals anyway, right? Like he's not going to make it to the end of the third, despite the PFF mock draft simulator right now, where every <laughs> Bengals fan is picking Sam Laporta in the third round. Where, where where do you see that value if if you're a team like the Bengals picking at the end of the round? Yeah, so I do think, yeah, that's the guy you're praying falls to the back end of the second. You don't draft tight end in the first, really want that position. Like that is your dream scenario. Because he's not, as you said, with those testing numbers, with as productive as he was at Iowa, there's about a zero chance he ends up in the back end of the third Especially round. But there's not Iowa guy, right? Yeah, there's not like zero tight end. You know, there's there could still be a guy there. There could still be a Tucker Craft there on the mm-hmm. board. You know, the South Coast State tight end in the back end of the third. It's not necessarily a lock ourselves into a niche because of how good this class is. But I do think that second back end of the second round there's a good chance you'll get one of Laporta or Kraft there. That is a guy you'd really like to put into that scheme. How big of a difference is there between a, a Laporta and Kincaid, let's say, or, or Mayer if, from a, a how the Bengals operate standpoint? I mean, you're obviously familiar with the team. Yeah. Not knowing who would be. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't think it's massive, right? I, because it's just, it's not like a feature. It's not a focal point mm-hmm. of the offense. A lot of things mm-hmm. I said about you know, them being able to run routes. They're not asking Hayden Hurst to go out there and, and, you know, Joe Burrow's not looking to him as his first read on like a speed out. Like it's just not, it's not how they operate. It's a lot of those scheme targets. I was saying it's a lot of work in the screen game that they're just getting the ball into their hands and asking them to make plays after the catch. And, and so if you're putting the ball in the guy's hands, asking him to make plays in this tight end catch after the catch, like Laporte's the one you want, truthfully. Like he, now, Kincaid's great too. Can get, don't get me wrong, Kincaid's special after the catch, but uh, I think Laporta's right there with him. In terms of blocking ability, that is a big question. To be generous, I guess for Dalton Kincaid, I, I yeah. wouldn't know about Sam Laporta yet. That is an element of this Bengals offense, especially if they wanted to, with Tyler Boyd in the last year of his deal, become a little bit more multiple, maybe do a little bit more 12 personnel kind of stuff, which is more conjecture on our part than anything else. How do you see, is there an all, I mean, Michael Mayer's all round guy who can line up in line and do it all. Is there anybody else in that mold who you, who you see being productive in both aspects of that tight end position at the NFL level? Yeah. If you really want in line in this class, it's, it, my ranking would go Mayor one, I think Darnell Washington, the Georgia behemoth two. And if you're the Bengals and you draft him, you might even give him a look at right tackle here pretty quickly. You know, like that's yeah. the kind of frame you're dealing with here. And then three in that mold is probably Luke Schoonmaker, the Michigan tight end. It was more like back end of day two is like the earliest I'd even consider. So that third round pick is the earliest I'd even consider him. So, um, those are the three guys that if you really want in line, you probably should come away with one of those three or else you're just, you're going to have to deal with some limitations probably. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Washington obviously has has gotten a lot of hype, but you mentioned right tackle and offensive line is is always a topic when it uh, when it comes to the Bengals. It's never ending, and uh, I feel like we're going to talk about it every off season for the rest of time. So I might as well ask you about it now. Who stood out? Darnell Wright was that was that a surprise? I think that was a surprise to some that he tested that well at that weight. Uh, so I guess that's the first question. And anyone else that that really stood out in that offensive line class? Yeah, Darnell Wright. Definitely, you know, tick the box. I, I was not expecting that as an athlete. I was, especially, you know, considering he's 333. He's no small tackle. I, I still do think in terms of, you know, obviously explosive, but lateral agility, least something to be expected. I, my favorite, if we're just doing pure right tackles in this class, I still lean towards Dwan Jones, the Ohio State tackle. I, I thought his numbers were great for a guy who's, you know, freaking enormous. <laughs> it was like, truth, like, who doesn't need to be athletic because you're just you're it's so difficult to go around a guy with a seven foot five inch wingspan. So um I, I still like his game. I still think he's very skilled um and ready and like can start right away. So uh, I, I think that second tier. So I, the tackle class, I put it as kind of like a tier one is Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Anton Harrison, Broderick Jones. I, I see all those guys in one tier. And then the tier two, I would put Dewan Jones, Matthew Bergeron. Uh, Darnell Wright is kind of the tier two and of that tier two, I would probably rank it how I just said it, DeWand, Bergeron, Darnell Wright. But you're praying if you're the Bengals that a tier one guy somehow stumbles down to pick 28. Yeah. Which, which guys at 28 say, say it's mayor available Mm -hmm. as a guy that you clearly have as your tight end one. And maybe there's a world where he's available. Maybe not. I mean, maybe we're talking about a fantasy here. But which which tackles would you take if you had the choice between those tackles and and Mayer? Obviously, crossing off like the Skaronskis and and Paris yeah. Paris Johnsons won't be there. Yeah. So it, uh, so if I'll just say if Skaronsky, Johnson, Harrison, or Jones are there, I will take one of those tackles. That, that I'm taking one of those tackles and just you know. Maybe, maybe your one is Roger Jones. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. I need to know that there's multiple Joneses. Um, I'm, I'm taking one of those guys. And I'm just saying, yeah, you're one. Like because these guys have a lot of them have played so little football. Uh, Anton Harrison, not Sir Johnson and Jones and Roger Jones have just you know one year of left tackle experience. You're kind of saying you're one. It might not be great. They just haven't played enough to really feel good about them coming in. But they're so physically gifted. It's going to turn on at some point. Those are guys you want in the fold. For long term, but if not, if I'm going to that tier two of tackles that I mentioned to Dewan Jones, I'm taking Michael Mayer first. I, I know I just said the Bengals don't utilize their tight end like that, but it's also because you don't have a tight end like that. <laughs> like it, it's you're not going to feature a tight end that can't get open on his own. But all of a sudden, when you do get that guy, mm-hmm. I think he would pair really well with a Joe Burrow because of you know the empty stuff they do. Having another reliable route winner in the fold just makes it 
that much more difficult to stop an offense like that. That's interesting. I wonder how many fans agree or, or, or disagree with you there, but uh, I'm all for weapons. I'm big, big on the weapon side. So uh, I wouldn't knock Michael Mayer. Uh, as far as offensive line depth, let's say they did go tight end round one. How is the depth specifically at tackle in this class? And, and does anybody, would there be any late round targets? Cause that's the other part of this that we've really tried to hammer home to our listeners is, yeah, you could say, Oh, we'll pick that guy in round two, but round two is pick 60. It's not pick 42. So it's, it's basically the start of round three. Are there any day two guys that you think that the Bengals could add if they don't take a tackle round one? Yeah. The problem with tackle um, is that it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. The the athletes are easy to identify. And so you don't get, you know, third rounder all of a sudden turn into a pro bowl very often. It's just rare. It's a position that the good guys at the position are known coming out because of just how how, how many physical cutoffs you have to even hit just to get to the, to be a tackle, you know, like you have to be size, length, uh, foot speed, power, all this sort of stuff, flexibility, just to even survive that there's so few that make it. And the ones that do get drafted in the first round. So it's a position I wouldn't wait on if you want one. Uh, I think every, the only tackles I feel comfortable with ever even becoming starters in the NFL, we've already mentioned. You know, we, we've said all the wow. names already. So the seven guys after that, oh man, guys, I'd even like take a chance on, take a flyer on developing maybe Jalen Duncan, the Maryland tackle that's he's got, he's got the physical, the physical ability is there with him. I, I just question the down to down consistency and want to, and then Blake Freeland's the other one, the BYU tackle. It's like, if you can put 20 pounds of muscle on him on that massive frame, cause he was the, you know, probably most athletic tester at the combine of anyone in attendance broke the combine record for offensive line for vertical jump. You, you can get that guy to play stronger. I think he could have something to tackle, but he's, his play strength is just like, can't see the field next year if you draft him. Wow. I was going to ask about him because like 312, it's is not that light. He, I know in your college grading, he grades out really well, tested really athletic, was pretty good from a young age, but it's BYU. So, you know, quality of competition questions there. So surprising to hear. Unplayable. I think he was 302, Jake. 302? Yeah, 302. You have a typo? Yeah. 312 would be nice. If he was 312. That's all. He looks like a tight end. We, we fixed, I fixed the, the draft database that we have. We had a typo. Good to know. 302. Uh, let's, let's shift the conversation a little bit, Mike. I told you before we started recording, I was going to ask you, let's, let's, let's go three rounds. And let's talk ideal scenarios. We, we've talked about a couple guys in the first round, one of those tier one tackles, maybe a, a Michael Mayer, if, if it's you drafting for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Any other names in the first round? And then we'll talk second, third rounds too. Yeah, I mean, ideally if Anton, Harrison, An- Anton Harrison's a realistic name to fall there. Kalijah mm-hmm. Cansey after the combine, I, I don't think he's making it to 28, truthfully. I, right. I think someone's going to – going to fall in love with him just because of interior pressure and Mm -hmm. how that, how coveted that is at the NFL level. So uh, he would surprise me if he fell there, but you know, that's, that's a dream scenario too. So I guess like we're, we're going dream scenarios, even a guy like Brian Brzee after his ACL with this class, kind of just like his production on the field last year, he's one who could fall to that level that I would love if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals. So Harrison Brzee, um, throw Kincaid in there, throw Mayer in there. Um, 
I think that's where you're looking if you're the Bengals on draft in first round. What about round two? Since we're doing this this three rounder, round two and three round so two, pick sixty pick ninety two. Just to be specific, round two. So like, yeah, uh, you want Dewan Jones, Darnell Wright, Matthew Bergeron to fall. That's that tier two of tackles. You, you'd be happy as heck, I think, with any of those guys falling to the back in round two. I just don't think it's going to happen, right? I don't think in this class it's that level of the, the desperation hasn't gone anywhere for teams outside the Bengals. Everyone always needs offensive line. So I do think they'll go higher than maybe the round grades I have on them just because that's the nature of the tackle position. So maybe more realistically, you tap into the corner class in, in mm-hmm. round two. I, I think there's so many guys, uh, just you can't draft them all. You know, there's just not not plausible to do so. The, the guy I'd really be hoping who maybe ruined it with his combine testing, but Camp Smith, South Carolina corner, I don't think he's going round one, doesn't have the traits of the guys that are in that round one mix, but he's a football player. Fits kind of Lou Anarumo's ethos of being versatile, played a ton of slot, played a ton of outside, can play up and press, can play off. Like he's a guy that if he's there at the end of round two, that, that's a guy I'd love to have in the fold just because of, you know, their how much they've coveted players in his mold of just versatile defensive backs. And what a corner class. I mean, the athleticism, yeah. absolutely insane. We talked about this on yesterday's show on Lockdown Bengals. Seven guys in the four threes are faster. Which great size too seems yeah. insane. Yeah, and they're doing it, and they're not like five eight guys doing it. They're you know, it's tall, the real deal. It really is. Yeah, crazy class there, and it wouldn't be surprising to me to see them go corner in the first round either. Uh, they met with Keely Ringo. They met with Emmanuel Forbes. They met with Clark Phillips. They probably met with more guys that weren't reported because that's the way that tends to go. That wouldn't surprise me either. Let's get to the end of day three. Sam Laporta, another guy I imagine in day two. Or in round two, I should say, if he if he is available. Yes. Yeah. But uh, let's talk round three, getting a little bit deeper. Maybe talking about some guys that we we haven't mentioned yet. Using your depth of draft knowledge to our advantage here, who do you like for the Bengals' end of round three targets? I always love round three as kind of the round to pick an interior offensive lineman. Uh, that's you see a lot of guard centers coming in round three, and now not a m- massive need, maybe based off of what they have kind of in the fold. But as we've seen, like none of those guys are great on the interior. Like they're all kind of like you're fine with them, but you could stand to upgrade. So the guy I really like who uh, I think the Bengals really like, because they always draft someone from Ohio state seemingly is Luke Whipler, the center from Ohio state. I, I think that's a guy and he's young coming out only a red shirt sophomore, which is like a rarity. You almost never see that center position coming out, which I think speaks to like how highly the NFL might be on him. But I think he's a guy that maybe you, you know, give another red shirt year to quote unquote because of his age, because of, you know, he really hasn't faced NFL caliber play strength yet, but he's a guy long-term that would be, I think is a heck of a center prospect. And, and, you know, after two years of cares, you could be looking to move on then and adding a guy like him or starting a guy like him after that. Is that a center only prospect in your opinion? Yes, center. he's probably center only prospect. The, the other two top centers, Michael John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, have a little bit more versatility. But Whipler, I would put as I'm not moving him. Yeah, 
Interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. That's see you hit us with something, Mike. We haven't talked centers. Not going to lie to you. Okay. We haven't talked centers yet. So there we go. Now it's got people. I, I can already feel the. Should they move Karras to left guard and, and play <laughs> the, the rookie at center? No. <laughs> my my last bonus question for you. Then we'll let you go. Adetamia Adebore tested obviously like a freak. Did you expect that? You you had him as one of your top performers, I think, in your predictions. But did you expect it to be quite at that level? No. <laughs> you don't so, like, worth moving him up, like, level. a tiny bit, maybe? Yes. He's one that I I moved up afterwards. It's, it can't not. An athlete to that degree. Like, truly yeah. unprecedented. Who I, I, doesn't have bad tape. Like, I, I liked him on tape. I had him as a top 60 player just on tape before I even, like, thought about the athleticism because he is, you know, he uses leverage well. I, I think he's, like – his length plays to his advantage and he's very nimble and has good bend to, to where if you just can tap into that a little, cause it's so rare, like four, four, nine at two eighty two is, in, is insane. And no. I've said probably a few times since he ran it, it's like, it, so he's 282 pounds, which is obviously undersized for a DT. But if you put on just 30 pounds of fat, he's still explosive. You know, you put on a 30 pound vest for a four, four, nine, you're still running with what, like a four seven five? Like you're not, you're not losing that much. He's still elite. So um, I'm curious to see how he like progresses physically, and obviously on the field. Like you put him on, I, I really want to see him go to like a team that really has a good track record of developing, whether it's you know 49ers, whether it's the Eagles, and just seeing what he can do there because that's a rare physical skill set to tap into. How's who's your favorite him? player? Who's your favorite player in this draft, and why is it Deuce Vaughn? <laughs> Deuce is there's so there's I think I tweeted it out. There's so many guys like Deuce Vaughn in this draft, whether it's Deuce Vaughn, Kalijah Cansey, yeah. Travis Hodges Thomas, where it's just like if they were six foot, if they were like three inches bigger, twenty pounds heavier, they're a generational prospect. You know, like they are unbelievable. There's so many guys. Like even Ivan Pace, the Cincy linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. three inches taller. That's a first round player. It's just an insane class for the midgets um, at the, the respectively in the class. So I, I do think that Deuce, Deuce's tapes is a tough, tough one to top. But honestly, like my favorite t- tape that I probably watched someone can say is just Bryce Young's. Like he, he is, I think he's getting undersold. This guy is a special dude um, outside of the fact that he's, you know, 5'10 and probably closer to 180 than he is 200. There you go. Mike, we Drafted. appreciate it. As a five nine guy, I'm all for the the, the five tens, five fives, any of the short guys getting getting. You missed your calling as an NFL QB, James. Clearly, is clearly. what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe in another life, Mike. We appreciate your time. We appreciate the information as always, and uh, obviously, go find his draft guide over at PFF. Find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. You're on some podcasts with PFF as well on YouTube. Sometimes, I know I yeah, the NFL NFL show. Check me out twice a week. There you go. Mike, appreciate it. For everyone else, we'll talk to you next time here on Locked On Bengals. Who day? And have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. 
Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.